<laughs> There's more of gravy than of grave about you, whatever you are. Humbug, I tell you, humbug. You're at hallucination brought on by alcohol, Russian vodka poisoned by Chernobyl. There's more gravy than grave about you, Jacob. There's more of gravy than of grave about you. Oh. <laughs> more of gravy than of grave. What a terrible pun. This Organized Chaos podcast is brought to you by Gems Art Studio. Gems Art Studio is an online store that allows access to prints that you can use for most anything, obviously as just a picture, or as a wallpaper, or as a bookmark, or anything you can think of. You can find Gems Art Studio at etsy.com slash shop slash Gems Art Studio. This podcast is also brought to you by listeners like you. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to an organized chaos podcast. What? I'm your host, George Johnson. What? what oh, I'm what's sorry. What's going on? Did what? you say something? What? What's going what? on? What? Hey, what? Get out of my podcast. What? What the fuck? What? <laughs> Who the fuck is this guy? Well, I don't know who the fuck this guy is. What the fuck? I'm just meeting this guy for the first time. You invited me. Oh, God. Oh, God. You just gotta throw facts in our face. I see how it is. Oh, yeah. This is easy to be merry and joyful, my ass. What the hell? (laughs) Well, it's tis the season, after all. (laughs) So, uh, on this episode, we're we're having a three-way... Wait, that didn't come out right. But, uh, yeah. We're uh, being joined by... As the French say. Being joined by my very old friend, George Johnson, who was on the last episode of the podcast, which you may have listened to, uh, but you haven't seen it yet, probably, which is something we'll get to in a couple minutes, actually. Uh, yeah, we will. We but, will uh, get to it in a couple minutes. But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're doing something a little different. Uh, George, you want to introduce yourself real quick? Yeah. Yeah, Sure. I am George. Like Bob said, we go way back. I mean, we explained this a little bit in the uh, video that was taken down, but we'll get to a little yeah. later. Uh, we're not old. That's the only thing I have to say about <laughs> how long we've known each other. Um, I've known him for yeah. like two years. <laughs> yeah, something like that. It hasn't been very long at all. Um, so, um, and this is my first time on the podcast. So well, well, technically, last time was your first time on the podcast, but well, in the video form, this will be your first, their first time seeing you, so. <laughs> okay, yes. in this format. <laughs> New to this format. Ooh. Ooh, boy. Yeah, his actual first podcast will be coming out on video. It looks like it's going to be at the end of the month, so that's a, that's a twist. Happy New Year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just in time for Christmas. That's what everybody wanted. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Yeah, this episode we're doing something fun. We're doing the Battle of the Christmas Carols. Um, there's so many Christmas carols. You know, we're not going to do them all. We, we picked four. Um, but before we get to that, we're going to talk about a couple uh, things that happened. Uh, first off, Cowboy Bebop live action was canceled. Um, I yes. know you guys are devastated. Do you guys have any thoughts on this? <laughs> well, I'm not surprised Netflix brought the axe hammer down on any series anymore mm-hmm. so that's yeah <laughs> yeah well i used to feel like netflix would just renew everything no matter how poorly it did they would just renew it and now not yeah. remotely it changed quickly no 
And they, the marketing for that did a great job about, you know, how many barriers they were breaking. And, <laughs> and then it's going, oh, yep, nope, season two for you. Yeah. It, it, it honestly, uh, it's not nearly as good, but it, it just, it feels like full circle because the original only lasted for a year, but it was only meant to last for a year. But it strongly inspired yeah. Firefly, which was canceled after a year. And now we got Cowboy Bebop coming back. Canceled after a year. Well, I mean, Firefly Firefly got a movie. Yeah. Cowboy Bebop did too, didn't they? The animated one, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was a good movie too. Uh, so was Fire, So was uh, Serenity. Oh yeah, Serenity was excellent as well. Serenity was a great, great, kind of good closure. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was about ready to say the Cowboy Bebop movie was closure, but no, it was just a story okay. in the middle. <laughs> it was a big story in the middle. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no. I mean, like, there's some choices I would have, I wouldn't have done. <laughs> but that's a, that's for another day. Yeah, yeah, we can do a whole discussion on that one. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess I'm the only one that's actually sat down and watched it all the way through, and my thoughts in it are kind of eh. Um, I thought the series had potential. I thought a lot of the characters were pretty good. I thought Ed was awful. Um, but of course we barely saw Ed, but it was enough to Oh. Still, I was in right to see what it did with season two, but, uh, we aren't getting it. Um, I am disappointed we aren't going to see the one guy as Jet anymore. He was fantastic. Okay. But yeah, uh, the other thing that happened was, uh, the video takedown. Uh, <laughs> the email I get at work. Uh, let me see. I'll go ahead and dig up this email. Uh, oh yeah, the Genesis ranking. So the the episode of the podcast from last week is on podcasts. Like if you go to any podcasting platform, well, most any, the big ones, Spotify, Apple, Google, you'll see George and I talk about Gen the Genesis concert, our favorite Genesis albums. Uh, but the video has been taken down off YouTube. Um... So yeah, that's fun. Uh, and they've actually changed the, how the takedowns are done, which is kind of annoying. Uh, it used to be as soon as they do a takedown, the video is instantly taken down. And I can instantly uh, dispute it from that point. I don't even remember what it's called. Essentially just disputing it. Uh, and when you dispute it at that point, literally they have a week to file charges against you or reinstate the video. <laughs> Uh, now we have to wait seven days, and then we can go through that process, which is annoying. So it's gonna, instead of being a one-week process, which is obnoxious, it's gonna be a two-week process. But yeah, that video will come out. I've, I know Bobby hasn't done this before. I imagine George hasn't either. I've, I cannot tell you the number of times I've done this on my main channel. Uh, let's see, do you guys have any questions on how that, 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 how it works? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 a weird one. I yeah, mean. yeah, yeah. Like I said, I've done it a lot. Um, it's annoying, but uh, yeah, they'll be back up. <laughs> but uh, shall we go to the main event? Yes. yes. Ooh, talk about that. Yeah. Why did you go there? Why would you do this? <laughs> The second documentary today. Okay. Hey. Oh no! I guess we're talking about these. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> well, you were just right. you were cut out during the get back thing. So, uh, hey, hey. 
I'm not around for one, and it gets pulled down. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes, it, it's called pure skill on my part. I can take down a video yeah, like but you I'm honestly believe. Really, I, I'll be honest. When I first saw the photos you had shared, man, I was just like, oh, those are some sweet seats. Mm-hmm. Like, those are nice. And then I looked at, uh, I was also looking at them in the drive today. Yeah, I didn't even, uh, I don't even think I post the photos. I posted the videos. There's a oh, few. No, I posted the videos. There's a few blurry ones. There's a few blurry ones too. But I, oh, he was. Excited. Oh, you oh. looked up on the uh, the podcast files where I shared them. Oh, yeah. you cheated. Okay, yeah. Those aren't the ones I've actually shared yet. How dare you? I know. <laughs> well, I I had to I had to binge some movies today. Yes, you did. Well, we got four Christmas carols we oh. are going to be comparing, and I actually haven't explained the scoring system to you guys yet. Which I'll do now, which I think will be interesting. Well, as you you can see, uh, they're all zeros. (laughs) All these movies suck. They're garbage. They're shit. Of course, Patrick Stewart uh, gets one point for being Patrick Stewart, and it wins, and that's the end. (laughs) Well, and I mean, you know, well, also, you know, you know, Picard was a dick. Yeah. (laughs) They're all dicks in this one. (laughs) I mean, I I, I kind of had to watch you know like some good old wholesome you know Star Trek movies to feel a little better, maybe. <laughs> and and it was generations. Oh jeez. <laughs> so <laughs> see what you did. We there. have broken down yeah. these movies in five categories from worst to best, uh, and we're just gonna go over them, and then when we get to our best in each category, it will get one point. Now there's three of us. That means there's a possibility of 15 points. However, I wanted to make okay. it interesting. Because we can't just make it too simple. So what's going to happen okay. is if a movie doesn't end up with a majority and simply a plurality, we're going to eliminate the bottom movie. And whoever gave that movie a point, their second choice is going to get a point. And then we're going to do that until okay. we end up with one for majority. So... That makes sense, everybody. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Wow, I was, I was concerned. <laughs> All right. So we are reading these from worst to best, yes. correct? And then when we get to the best, okay. you know, that's where your point goes. So what the five categories will be: uh, supporting cast, sounds, visuals, story, and Scrooge. And we'll just say a couple sentences about each one as we go through. Uh, let's see, I'll go ahead and start off, and then, uh, we'll go to Rob, and then George, and then next category, I was thinking we'd go Rob, George, and then myself, and then for visuals, uh, George, you know, just kind of switch it up every time around. Sound good? Yeah, sounds good. All right, so I'll kick us off with best supporting cast. Uh, for the worst supporting cast... I feel kind of weird putting this one here because it doesn't feel quite right because it's kind of the nature of it. But I had to go with Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah, the Muppets are great. I I love them. You heartless but bastard. I know I'm a heartless bastard. But you know what? You I'm I'm just if we're gonna just look at it as is, I'm not really connecting with the fur as much as uh you know actual actors. And it's got stiff competition because these other movies have. <laughs> Amazing supporting cast that aren't Muppets. That's fair. That aren't. They, yeah, that's mm. fair. That's fair. 
Yeah. So, Muppet Christmas Carol came in number four. Uh, Christmas Carol 1999, Patrick Stewart came in third. It, this has a solid supporting cast. Uh, just not... Some of them are memorable, and some of them... Eh. And I think this one, again, is coming up against the issue where uh, the other movies have just kind of amazing supporting cast that just really stand out. Uh, that being said, uh, 1999 does have Richard E. Grant, and I want to say Joel Gray was the Ghost of Christmas Past. Very memorable. Both yeah. did a very good job. Yeah. Uh, number two, this one actually surprised me. Uh, this one surprised me in a couple ways. We're going with Scrooge for number two. This had a great supporting cast. I love uh, Alfre Woodard as essentially uh, Grace, who is the Bob Cratchit stand-in. Uh, God, the actual ghosts in this movie are so cool. I I love, uh, the taxi driver was actually probably my least favorite, and he was kind of funny. Uh, I love Carol Kane as the ghost of the Christmas present. And I don't know if this really cast counts as cast, but the ghost of Christmas yet to come was actually really fucking good in this movie. It's the best ghost of Christmas yet to come in any of these movies. Um, really... Just wow. And then, uh, number one for supporting cast, I had to go with uh, 1984, George C. Scott. Um, David Warner. Holy shit. Uh, I mean, you get Roger Reason there. He's pretty good. But David Warner is just one of those actors I can't just ignore. Uh, he is Bob Cratchit, and holy shit, that's the best Bob Cratchit. Uh, no, fun, uh, facts about the other supporting cast. Uh, we got... Two of, uh, we get, well, we get Joanne Whaley as uh, Ebenezer Scrooge's sister. And, uh, as I believe Belle, her girlfriend, we get the actress who played, uh, Belle Kilmer's love interest in Top Secret. Top so Secret. therefore we have two Belle Kilmer love interests from the 80s in this movie, which is a fun fact. Uh, no, I, huh. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I'm mostly giving it to 84 for David Warner because I loved it. I'm a sucker. What can I say? Okay. But well, yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah. I have all of you. A blessing to be thankful for. But uh, Bobby, what are your thoughts? Okay. Um, kind of a little varying indifference of yours. I mean, I'll, I I agree in some aspects, but I kind of went a bit of a different route with it. Um, You're not allowed. Uh, you have my best supporting cast. <laughs> <laughs> utopia or nothing <laughs> all right for my least favorite or i guess my my bottom pick i said i got a ping pong my answers there they are there all right it is gonna be the 1990 patrick stewart hmm? now here's why and i kind of feel that this problems hurts it and i kind of thought of it not in the sense of it being a theatrical release but more of like a made for tv movie which this was and i do really enjoy this version and this is really one of my favorites and even in my selection to be in this battle royale of them um i kind of feel that having such a strong lead in this as patrick hurts the rest of the cast because he he kind of can't help it but even the average viewers watching it to see picard as scrooge 
So I kind of feel it hurts the performance of everyone else who does a really great job and ag- agreeable. The ghost of a or the ghost of Jacob Marley and Bob Cratchit in this both standout performances along with Patrick Stewart. But I kind of feel it hurts the rest of the cast who also do an amazing job. So that's kind of why it's down low because of his star power. <laughs> Controversial pick, I know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, number three. And again, is George C. Scott for 84. Um, Though, again, standout performances, but the same thing. Scott steals scenes whenever he's in in anything. It naturally happens. He has a powerhouse performance. So I kind of feel it's a thing for the star power that hurts it. I'm not as familiar with the other actors as you are, so this is really my impression of it, but I'm not as familiar with this version either. So that's why that's number three. <laughs> number two is uh, Scrooge as well. Though there are a lot of it, and the sporting cast takes a lot of liberties with the story so they can make each spirit have their own different bits of uniqueness, like the cab driver for the Ghost of Christmas Past and Carol Kane as um, some very mean fairy who can hit people with toasters. And I'm pretty sure, you know, like, the bitch hit me with the toaster isn't Dickens, so they do take their own liberties. Oh, shit, I thought that was from the book. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how Dickens would have writ that, though. Like, <laughs> I thought they were cutting it out in the other versions. <laughs> and uh, for supporting cast was uh, the Muppets, mostly because of other reasons of different categories why I feel this way is mostly the environment of the set and uh, there's a lot of things where that world those two things can exist perfectly and most of the actors play it as that so for them for the for the supporting actors who are humans and not made of felt for their commitment to the bit <laughs> the Muppets is the first yeah you that is for my direction. best supporting cast <laughs> yeah 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 a little different direction but yeah. My name is Charles Dickens. And my name is Rizzo the Rat. Hey, wait a second. You're not Charles Dickens. I am too. All right. So I'll admit it's been many years since I've seen any of these movies. I have seen them in the past. So this was kind of like a fresh take for me on a lot of these. So um, for, for me, I, I'm really looking at like three distinct different movies. Like I... Sometimes the there's things I liked in the Christmas Carol with George C. Scott, and and other times there's things in the Patrick Stewart version that I like. But we'll get to some of that later. Uh, f- so for the best supporting cast, uh, my number four I think is a Christmas Carol from 19. Is it 99? Is that the one with Patrick yeah. Stewart? Yeah, 99. Okay. Yeah, and um, Rob brought up some good points. Um, it. Felt more like made-for-TV starring Patrick Stewart. I know he his popularity was at the height at that time because it was right off, hot off the heels of, you know, Next Generation. So it, it seemed like more of a novelty type thing. Um, but I still really enjoyed it. Um, it's just nope, none of the cast really stood out other than Patrick Stewart's performance. Um. So let's move on. My number three, I chose the George C. Scott Christmas Carol. Um, And and again, I I don't know the actors as well as the main actor. Um, I thought George C. Scott himself was great in it. You know, he 
was in Patton, so he kind of has that attitude. So yeah. I thought that was a really well casted Not role. Wrong. Um, <laughs> so, um, but and that one also felt the the most like a period piece. Like it it captured that that era very well with the the set design, the costumes, the the acting style, the the dialogue. Um, but I, again, I, I can't really remember exactly who was in the cast other than the lead, but I, they did their job well because nothing really stood out as being off, if that makes sense. Now I feel like I'm fanboying out about David Warner. <laughs> <laughs> That's all um, right. No. <laughs> my, my number two is The Muppets. And I kind of chuckled when you said stiff competition regarding the muff the Muppets. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I mean, it, it it was literally the Muppets in a in a Christmas Carol. There wasn't anything out of character for any of the Muppet characters, but it was fun. It, it was different. Um, you know, I <laughs> I really liked Kermit's son as Tiny Tiny Tim. <laughs> That's my probably my favorite Tiny Tim. <laughs> Um, Michael Caine, you know, excellent um, in that as well. Um, but I'd have to say my number one for supporting cast is is Scrooged. They they did a nice take on the story. I thought it was a surprise seeing Karen Allen in that because Bob, we watched that one uh, when you were over last, and I had forgotten that she was in it. And mm -hmm. she's always great. I always like oh, yeah. every movie that she's in. She's great. Um, you know they. So some of the side characters that really pulled off like the slimy corporate kind of thing very well. Um, the, the ghosts were unusual but funny. It was just a really good good take on it. So my vote for best supporting cast is Scrooged. Wow. Like Scrooge? I feel like it was number two twice and number one once. Um, yeah, we'll kind of get to it, but I, I feel like that movie, that movie kind of surprised me. I didn't remember liking it, so but yes. Taxi! Can you get me to the IBC building in three minutes? Which floor? Uh, <laughs> where are we at now? Sounds. So. Yeah. Rob, take us off. I think it's me? Yep. All right. So for sounds, um, is number four, I have the George C. Scott 84 version. Now, with this one, like, well, George had actually brought up a good point where it really did feel like a period piece. So, I mean, the eerie stuff was there. It was very present and ominous, but there wasn't anything over overly extra like it would be added if it were made today. Like it would look more like one, something from one of the uh, Warren movies or whatever. <laughs> like a, a lot of unnecessary jump scares and scores. So number four, I have the George C. Scott version. Uh, number three, uh, the Patrick Stewart one. Though it, they did a lot of impressive stuff, and I really did like the sounds with the uh, chains and with the Jacob Marley. Kind of those ones gave me more of an eerie feeling and chills, like the scariness. <laughs> that one, I so eh, I wrote the same line twice. Sorry, it happened. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. But yeah, the eeriness. But again, very subtle and overdone. But I kind of found, and you're going to see this through the rest of my rankings, um, I kind of feel that since these two out of the four we selected really did play it the safest and the closest to the chest. Oh, yeah. Um, 
I kind of feel it restricted the movie in that aspect. So you have to no choice but to look at it as this kind of piece in time, like this little time capsule. If you... so, that's why Patrick's down there. Uh, for number uh, number two in sounds will be the Muppet Christmas Carol. This is the only one that's a musical that we talked about. <laughs> yeah, it has. Again, very memorable moments, very memorable songs, songs that, you know, you can even gather around and sing with friends if presumably all your friends grew up watching this or are very familiar with the Muppets. And they fit perfectly well into the story without kind of, you know, making it overly like, hey, we do have a song here or like how the, most movies will kind of pigeonhole a hit song into it. Or anything. It was just all done very well and tasteful and not over the top. Very Henson style. So, sound, that is why that's at two. Number one for sounds is Scrooged. Now, the sound design in this is amazing, I think. Um, the, you kind of hear the aspect and the crumbliness, and you even hear sounds of dirt falling when he first meets uh, his old partner. In the beginning, every time the ghost of Christmas present is hitting him, it sounds like one of those mosquito zappers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys pick up on that? <laughs> or even at the end of the film where, you know, he's asking like the audience, he's breaking the fourth wall and here asking the left side of the theater to hand. You hear the left side and your left. I was watching on headphones and I heard it through the left channel. I was wondering if right. it'd be something like that. I just listened to it on TV yeah. speakers. <laughs> yeah. And that was like, I was like, oh, that's nice that's that was also a nice touch but the whole bit of the all of the sound design it really felt like when he was stepping into those all those little time capsules or pieces wherever the ghosts were taking them you just everything sounded the environment what your auditory and what we were seeing it really helped change that world and kind of believe what we were seeing into that we were falling for what we were watching on the screen pretty much so the sound design can also help with that too. So, number one is Scrooge. We're fighting again. It's not fight anymore. Oh, All right. So for the sound category, um, I kind of base some things off of sound design and music, just kind of overall kind mm -hmm. of soundtrack. Um, Everything was through TV speakers as well. I didn't really get a chance to pick up on like stereo mixes or anything like that. Um, so at my number four, I put the George C. Scott movie. Um, it, again, I know it was made in the 80s, but the, the way that they put it together was... I, I don't know what era they were basing it off of in terms of film, but it, it definitely... <laughs> uh, you know... Again, it wasn't... Sounded cold, didn't it? It, it did sound a little cold, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, not a lot going on in terms of soundtrack. Music was apt. It wasn't necessarily memorable. So I'm just going to jump over to the Patrick Stewart version. Uh, again, there's some different things going on in the sound mix. Um, things that add to the atmosphere, the tension... Uh, things that are kind of just going on in the room that you can notice, but it's not like overpowering or anything. Um, but um, again, nothing really stood out in terms of the music. Um, I, I did like the overall 
you know, recording and effects and things a bit better than the 84 version. Um, and then Scrooge would be next. I know that's probably, um, it had a more of a modern, uh, soundtrack. It was, what was the 88 on that one? Was that right? Yeah. 87. Okay. 88. Late 80s. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it okay. definitely mm. didn't have a a dated soundtrack. It still held up as being somewhat modern. So, again, there was a lot of comic in the in the movies in terms of you know comedy and slapstick. Or so the the sounds worked really well with it. I thought. Um, again, I don't remember much of Danny Elfman's score. I mean, I heard a lot of things We're like, you know, that sounds a lot like, uh, something from Batman Returns. And then that just wasn't a shock when I saw it in the credit. Um, yeah. but I, I went with the Muppets for number one, just simply because it had original songs. And I thought, you know, it was a, again, it was a different take on it. They did something different. Um, so just going off of overall soundtrack, they, you know, they put the extra mile in it, I, I thought, and added little performances to go along with it. So I vote Muppets for number one. Tis a season to be jolly and joyous. Fa-la-la, with a burst of pleasure, we feel it right. Fa-la-la. Okay. So for my number... Four, I have a uh, Christmas Carol 99. Uh, this is largely because I didn't, like, sound-wise, I could tell you a little bit about all these movies except this one. It's, it has sounds. They exist. <laughs> okay. They're there. Yeah, they're totally there. They will work. Okay. It has uh, audio. Yeah. <laughs> number three is 84, and it's, it's almost in the same camp. But I could tell you two things I like about it. Uh, that it did purely sound-wise. Number one, it does have kids caroling at the beginning, which I thought was a nice uh, touch, kind of contrasting Scrooge himself. The other thing it did was the Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come has this great, like, creepy, like, sound effect whenever, like, he appears or does something. I just thought that was a nice touch. Number two is the only musical in this bunch. It is a Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, you I, I'm largely not thrilled with the songs on here, but, you know, they're they're nice in the moment. I mean, I'm not hating myself while watching them. <laughs> but brings us to uh, Scrooge, which, at least in my opinion, was just far and away the, the winner as far as this one. Uh, just Danny Elfman's score, just a lot of the sound effects, uh, like uh, Rob already brought up, like, uh, the dust when we get to the ghost of uh, yeah. Jacob, or not Jacob Marley, whoever... The Jacob Marley stand. Uh, yeah, the, the Jacob Marley uh, analogy. Yeah, no, what, just, yeah. The little stuff, the little tiny subtleties are really what I appreciated. Yeah. But again, like, you were watching it through a TV, I was, like, using yeah. these headphones, so I even, like, kind of, like, went back a few times and was like, oh, what, what was that? Yeah, it's... Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I was kind of amazed with a lot of this movie, because I remember like, not being too thrilled with it, and... Like, there's funny moments, but I remember not being too thrilled with it. But, yeah. like, actually watching it cr critically, it's got a lot going for yeah. it. Uh, yeah, that's the, that's how I was kind of viewing it, viewing my take on a lot of them, too. Mm -hmm. And, and the, like, when I had picked Y Supporting Cast, because any time Patrick was in a shot, he was center frame. Mm. Every time. Even moving. I didn't so even it was like that one. 
I was just like, uh, there's one where he's not, and it's at the end. Yeah. Where he walks past, and and they turn to see, and he's on, like, the far frame. Yeah. So we're moving with him, and then the two guys that he meets come into center, and they shake hands in center. And I was like, oh, oh, this is so heartwarming. Yeah. Picard grew a big old heart that night. Yeah. But yeah, Scrooge is definitely my pick. Frank, but take it easy on the Bacardi. All right. So visuals. Um, I'm not trying to like repeat the same number four a lot, but I picked the Patrick Stewart version. I don't know if it was because it was made for TV. I'm not. I don't know if the other ones were either. Was we have two made for TV and two theatrical releases. Yeah. Okay. So which I'm definitely gonna George get to C. when Scott. we get to visual when I get to my visual. Yeah, George C. Scott was made okay. for TV as well. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, the, it's just the Patrick Stewart version felt like it was made for TV, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, in terms of lighting, set design, I don't know. The, the George C. Scott version, it felt like it was actually filmed for a, a higher production. Um, I don't know. It's hard to explain. I mean, the ghosts were fine. I think the ghosts in this version were a little better in terms of like uh, transparency than the George C. Scott version, but but overall, it it was I think the weakest for me. So uh, my number three was the Muppets. I mean, it's the Muppets. I mean, it's there's a lot of visual going on with the puppeteering, which I always have to give credit for it because puppeteering is not an easy task when it comes to, to filmmaking. Um, it, it, the surroundings, the towns, the sets, every anything that they used location-wise um, did feel a little more period, um, but still wasn't in, as impressive as some of the other ones, so I put them up. It's in at number three. Um, now, number two, I really liked visually, and that was Scrooged. Um, and I, I think when we watched it, Bob, I even commented on how good some of the effects still looked. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a very special effects heavy movie, and it still looks good. I mean, there's a lot of creativity that went into it, and I almost picked it as my number one. Almost, just because of how how original they went with the direction of it. Um, but I had I had to give it to the 1984 one. I, I can't say enough just how much of a period piece that looks like it looks like it was you know the early 1900s just captured on film you know and if you didn't know who george c scott was maybe you know it, it would make it seem even more so 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 yeah number one christmas carol 84 our Savior Christ and His Lady on Christmas Day in the morning. Clear the road. Out of the way. Let me through. Christmas Christmas All right. Uh, I think that's to me now. Okay, visuals. Yes. I'm not going to lie. Uh, number three and number four are pretty much tied for me for different reasons. And I think what really hurts is we're looking at theatrical releases versus TV releases feel it when you when you're looking at the visual um and i could go either way because there's there's stories for there's a there's 
There's ideas as to one why one would be better than the other. Uh, it's really a tie between uh, Christmas Carol 99 and 84. George C. Scott versus Patrick Stewart here. Uh, I think visually the story might be more clear in the 1999 one, but there's some really shoddy effects work. Uh, I think 84 looks pretty good, but there's some stuff where I could really tell they were being late. There's some edits that come in way more creative, such as the edit where uh, uh, he's grabbing the robes of the Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come, and it transitions into his bed sheets, and it literally just does a flat cut. And it's like, there's a million ways that you could have cheaply made that look great, and they didn't go for him. Uh, George is correct, though, however, because, uh, like, a lot of the sets and sound, uh, a lot of the sets, a lot of the art direction uh, looks pretty good in that one. But there's also, like, the cone. Like, in the 1999 one, you clearly see him grab the cone and smother the Ghost of Christmas past. Whereas in George C. Yeah. Scott, you kind of just get cut where he's, like, holding it. And you don't really know what's going on. So, it's really between those two. Uh, number two for me, Muppet Christmas Carol. Muppet Christmas Carol uh, is pretty good. It's it's a Muppet movie. Uh, you know, it, like, I can kind of give it crap for supporting cast, but, like, they're Muppets. And I this is where I kind of appreciate the fact that they're Muppets. Uh, just, it's well done. I, I gotta appreciate the Muppets in some way. Uh, they're sitting apples, for fuck's sakes. Yes, yes. It looks, it looks pretty good, and this is very much a theatrical release. Uh, but number one, it's gotta go to Scrooge, man. Uh, Scrooge, just, I love the visual look of the Jacob Marley stand-in. I love the visual look of the Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come. I love when he opens up the robe, and you just see, like, this skeleton with, like, like these weird demon babies yelling. It's so kind of freaky, and it's looks a contrast. Like, looks like Freddy Krueger. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, it kind of reminded me of that, like, or Evil Dead 2 or, or something. Yeah. It was... It's, yeah. <laughs> it's such a great contrast. Like, the whole movie is this goofy comedy, but then you have this Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come that is super fucking freaky. I love that the Ghost of Christmas I, Yet to Come also, it has, like, a TV screen face. Yeah. It's that perfect. Kind of, that bothered me more than the souls inside the rib. Yeah, yeah, but the souls <laughs> just look great. It's just... Yeah. I mean, it almost gets a point for Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come, but also has, like, uh the Jacob Marley stand, and it has that thing where he's holding him outside the window, which looks great. And then he just, he's ripping the muscles off? Yes, ripping the muscles off. I want to bring yeah. it up, because that looked great. Oh my god, yeah. And when he walked away, when the hand fell, how his arm was still standing yes. up there, so like this, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's For me, it was that, kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. It, yeah, even watching that, I was like... Holy crap, that looks good still. And it's like, oh, plus, when did this come out? 88? Plus they oh, did the production. The production within the production where they were doing the, the I love you know, the yeah. TV studio sets and everything. Yeah, I, I almost picked that as my number one. Yeah, it's... I don't know, for <laughs> it was, me, it was pretty big. It was center. Did our people do that? We're gonna get phone calls. All right. Um, uh, number three is like uh, like we've all been talking and mentioning. It's kind of like that awkward elephant in the room is the Patrick Stewart, just the made for TV. 
I can tell it was all like still shot on a set, you know, very nothing too great. The ghosts they did look impressive, and for you know, made for TV mm-hmm. CGI, yeah, fairly impressive. And I'll say with Jacob Marley and the the first time he dropped the rag and his jaw just kind of did the whole scream thing, kind of funny, but you know, yeah, the jaw still thing was looks good. Nice. Yeah, it was cool, and even like even. Like well, later I'll talk about the George C. Scott where he just kind of shakes the the cage the, or the chains, and that all still was good, and it gave great effect, but it didn't, but not that great of effects. And like you said, some of them will look a little bad, and for that I just like put Patrick Stewart down for the fourth one for his version of the Christmas Carol. Um, number three is the George C. Scott one. Now the th- one thing that this did. And like you, the editing, yeah, there were some in here that did really kind of get to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Though, like, the ghosts and everything did look better, I think, you know, like, as transparency, like George brought up in the Patrick Stewart version. Um, these ones just, I just kind of like the performance of them and how they were lit. Mm-hmm. Now, this one, again, I could tell it was still a stage, but, or like a sound stage, but they were acting like they were performing it like, for in a theater like and it sounded to me like that was the room that i was getting but again i was with my headphones that's how i was listening to it so for the sound design in that aspect or the, i'm sorry the visuals in that just the lighting on it is really what i kept how the ghost you knew it was because it had that kind of like almost like white light or that bluish kind of scary light with jacob marley and the go and the lighting kind of went from all bright white and golden lights to the ghosts of christmas pass to kind of more festive-looking ones, to sad blue and gray, with the ghosts of Christmas yet to come. How the lighting just transitioned along with each kind of feel of each spirit. So that that was just something subtle I noticed, and I did appreciate that. In that. So I went with George C. Scott. Uh, number two goes to the Muppets, simply just because of how that set operated and i said i would talk about this so i i happen to look just kind of do it because it's fascinating like how do you build a world for humans and muppets to live and interact in that's that's kind of an interesting question i thought so i found this featurette where they did build a set that would go about to like maybe here let me about maybe yay high so that they could duck down and like still operate and perform and the actors could still walk up there perfectly and just carry the whole scene on and just for that that's interesting they still made this set like a little living breathing town that's just incredible and you know it's again it's just it's it's humans acting with muppets that's always incredible to see i mean puppeteering is amazing and this is like one where they made kermit walk on his own Though it was computers, but that was the first time that that had ever happened. So it was like, yeah, yeah, I I remember that as a kid being blown away by that. It's not like him riding a bike where you know how they're doing it. (laughs) And number one for visuals, I got to go with Scrooge. Just, yeah, they took, like I've said, they took liberties with their own way of telling the story and they really had fun with it. And, you know, even... Like George said, the set within the set, how they played within that and within the dreams that he was experiencing. And every bit of it, just every world was believable, even when they would just step through a set door and they're 
at his brother's house. Just it, all of it was great. And this one just looked great. Everything down to the smoky cab. And the, he had to have been my favorite, I have to say. He was my favorite. The uh, ghost of Christmas past. Yeah. A smoky, rude as hell New York cab driver. Yeah. He might be my least favorite ghost in that movie, but, but he they're all favorite. great. I love them all. No, they're all great, and I can't pick a favorite. Uh, I know this is off category, but I really can't pick a favorite of a Christmas present. I can't pick a favorite. They all were great. Mm -hmm. it, it, yeah, that movie really did. <laughs> all right. I, mean, so. I, I would feel like I'd be doing a disservice not to pick the uh, Muppet one in that aspect. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Giant. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, on to best story, and it's back to me. So, this is where we start seeing some issues with Scrooge because the story is choppy, unfortunately. Um, there is a censor character that apparently someone who worked in that movie had an issue with censors. Because essentially this character is introduced and they spend the whole movie beating the crap out of her. And I'm not going to lie, it gets a little chuckle, but they keep on going back to it. Um, there, are there are extra characters here. Like there's a, a, a character that hands Frank uh, a newspaper talk about an old woman that dies. And this character is never seen again. And I'm just thinking, why didn't Grace do that? Uh, there's there's lots of things that... It, the, the story here but is just it, iffy at best when it's not following the Christmas okay. Carol. Uh, uh, okay, um, to that, like, who's that blonde lady that we see in the board meeting and we always kind of see her in the background? And yeah. I noted at one point she comes up and says something to him, mm -hmm. but, like... what? Why was... What was the point of showing her with only yeah. just to have her do that? Yeah, no, there are characters like, I, that feel like... Yeah, I, there's the character who's brought on to be, like, the guy who's keeping an eye on Frank. And it really feels like we should be, like, on his side. There are moments where he really puts Frank in his place. But you hate him. Yeah. Probably even more than Frank. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure if we're supposed to hate him more than Frank. Or if we're supposed to be somewhat on his side. Because Frank is fairly despicable until the end. And honestly, the ending yeah. where he's just talked to the audience feels really lazy to me. Just, just, just him yapping. It's like, yeah. And we'll we'll get to best Scrooge or yeah, best Scrooge scan, stand in later. But yeah, it, there's lots of things where it doesn't work. Um, I'm afraid Scrooge is past its prime on this list for me. Um, Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, comes in number three. Uh, honestly, like this is this one's not bad. Uh, it follows the story fairly religiously, but you know, obviously, it does its variations. And the other two are just oh, yeah. so faithful that it, we don't get two little children. Mm -hmm. So it's not that Muppet Christmas Carol really is at fault here, but number two is actually going to go for 1984. Which I feel is very good, and it feels like a very faithful adaptation, but I feel like there is a bit more they could have done with it, which I felt like was actually reached in my number one pick, which would be the Patrick Stewart one. Uh, it talks about the chains of uh, Jacob Marley, 
and how Scrooge's chains are just that long and s except seven years longer, which I believe was also brought up in the Albert Finney version, which makes me think that's probably from the book. And there's lots of little details like this where they really kind of explore. I feel like it fleshes it out a bit more as far as the raw story. So for the first uh, point it gets uh, so far today, I'm giving it to Christmas Carol 99 for the story. I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard. It is a ponderous chain. Uh, Rob, what, what do you think of the stories? <laughs> okay. Now, I, I know that I've kind of been sending its praises mostly, but, you know, number four, I got to take Scrooge because it is kind of a alternative telling of it. And when it comes to, and I took this category as best story to like how close to the source material or as best to my knowledge, because it's been like at least eight years since I've read it. So, um, yeah, that. Scrooge, it took liberties and it did have fun within that little safety, or I guess like their own universe of that movie. But it still is my number four pick. Um, number three is The Muppets. Just because, you know, it, it, again, they couldn't go and tell all of it and be very true, but it is a very faithful adaptation. And this would have been my number four pick, but I do like it because at the end, Gonzo does encourage you to actually go read the book. Hey. And, yeah, and that's, and I don't know, I've always, Gonzo is my, uh, my favorite Muppet, so it just, I was just pleased that he was the storyteller. I was, he got to hang out for that movie. He also insisted that he was Charles Dickens. I had to look that up on Google. I, I wasn't too sure. <laughs> yeah, no, no. He even says, like, you know, the great Gonzo has Charles Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> um number three um i'm gonna have to kind of disagree with you or number two sorry uh, i'm gonna disagree with you bob but uh i gotta put the patrick stewart one at around number two is patrick stewart though they did stick a lot more and they did talk more about the chains i did but i kind of felt that they were he kind of like of showing and not telling as they did in the number one with George C. Scott, where I that one that. I, yeah, because I kind of felt him shaking him there with showing him like you know like this is what you got to look at, man, like trying to emphasize it to him. It's really <laughs> well, kind of also being a little story for me. Really? Yeah, yes, but number one I had to go with that, and you know I mean it's it's George C. Scott. Like first, I'll, I'll admit. I've only recently discovered his greatness as an actor within the past two years. And it was stumbling upon just a random sequel to a horror franchise just out of curiosity. It's like, well, I've seen the second part. I've never seen part three. Let me watch part three. And he happened to be the lead. And holy crap, he's great. Mm -hmm. He's he's great. The movie was Exorcist 3, too. So if... <laughs> I know, Bob, I've talked to you about that, George. That's right. Yeah. I have, yeah. I completely forgot that he was in that. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Him and Ed Flanders. That's Not right. Ed. Yeah. 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 Wow. Both of those guys. Holy crap. I've, I've been sleeping on them. So. But yes, number one, I will give it to that. Tell me. What man was that? Whom we saw lying dead.
George All right. C. Scott's one. Before we get too far, I want to go ahead and point out that I have Googled an image of George C. Scott, or uh, George C. Scott, uh, Charles Dickens. So I've Googled that, just to correct the record. Here is a picture of Charles Dickens. So, uh, damn guys, right. Right oh, there. Okay. Well, right that, there. that makes more sense. <laughs> I, you know, my confusion yeah. is at ease. <laughs> he is. He is. It was the hat. Oh, yes. It was the hat that was throwing me off. Yeah, the hat was off. really throwing me off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, George, uh, what what are your picks for story? Mm. All right. So as I kind of mentioned earlier, I don't think I really dived as much into like the, the the smaller details of the story. But for me, of these four movies, there are three distinct stories. There's well, the Christmas Carol, Scrooge, and the Muppets version. Mm-hmm. Now they're all different kind of takes on the same story with a Christmas carol being close to the source material and the other two not so much. So, and I feel really bad because I did quite enjoy the Patrick Stewart movie, but I keep kind of putting it at the bottom of my list and that's not intentional. I'm just like, it's kind of an alternate version of the George C. Scott movie. And when I watched it, it seemed there were a lot of scenes even that were the same scene or in some cases the same dialogue but probably pulled from the book i yeah, think Bob, we've mentioned this in passing. those are the two that are the most faithful by a mile like for just judging accuracy it's those two competing against each right other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if i'm putting everything up against each other with mm-hmm. these four films i i would put that one in last place i think because I, I think that everything that's notable about it is addressed in the George C. Scott version, other than maybe going into the better details with the ghosts, like you guys have brought up, um, you know, explaining a little bit more behind how how the whole system works with visiting the different areas. You know, I thought maybe it was maybe a bit better than the George C. Scott version there. But um, number three, um, I went with the Muppets. Um, again, it's not a completely different retelling. It's, but it is different. Um, they've added in a, a lot of humor type dialogue. It definitely has a different flow to the story. Um, even though the structure is kind of the same, um, I don't have a much to say about it. It, it just was different where, you know, the, 1999 version wasn't too different from what we saw with the 84 version. Um, Scrooge kind of had its own unique story because it did a lot of different things that I haven't seen in any other kind of adaptation of the story. You know, it's kind, it's almost kind of like its own thing that just happens to kind of follow a, a familiar story. So, um, and then my number one, it's, you know, again, just the George C. Scott version. If if I'm picking something that best tells the story out of all of these movies, you know, which is really just the heart of the story. It's not an adaptation. It's not a remixed version or anything like that. It's just telling the actual story. And I, I think the George C. Scott version did the best job of that. Is there some peculiar power which emanates from your torch? Oh, yes. There is. So Real here we go. to the stories. Real quick to best story um, and regarding Scrooge. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the writers of that was Michael O'Donohue. Now, uh, he's like a famous comedy writer, but uh, he also started off with National Lampoon magazine. And I believe he later went on to write some bits for SNL. 
Yeah, it don't surprise me, especially Bill Murray yeah, involved. He, he's an American writer and performer. He was known for his dark and destructive style of comedy and humor. He was a major contributor to National Lampoon magazine, and he was the first head writer of SNL. He is also the first performer to utter a line on that series. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Mm. He was the therapist nah. in the opening bit. Oh, with, uh, okay. Belushi. Wow. Mm. While I was watching, I was like, that. I thought that was interesting that he was a writer. Well, uh, you get to kick us off for the, the best Scrooge category. Yeah. Oh, all right. Uh, well... Number four is uh, going to be uh, an ADH Scrooged. Um, yeah, as much of an adaptation as this is, and whether it hits a lot of familiar pe like story beats, like George had mentioned, um, it's not Ebenezer Scrooge. It's just not that. There's no nephew. There's. It's just completely its own thing, but well, he, very he has familiar. the brother stand in for the nephew. <laughs> he does have the brother stand in for the nephew. Yeah. And I just, it's very familiar. And I mean, I don't know what the guy he fired would have represented. Would that have been the door? Oh, Bob, Bobcat or, Goldthwait or? Or it's just Bobcat Goldthwait. Just yeah, Bobcat I felt Goldthwait. like that's part of the story <laughs> issue where it's like, okay, do we really need it? I mean, I mean it's kind of funny, I mean, but I don't know. <sighs> it is, it is. But I mean, you know, he, he, he's funny in Police Academy. He's a really great. You see, comedy, I haven't seen Police Academy in forever. So. Oh, really? <sighs> Oh, God, no, no, no. <laughs> I've seen the first one the most out of any of them. Yeah, no, there's six. I thought there were seven. I, I, God, maybe. <laughs> Didn't they do one in the I know there's 90s? at least, like, I think there's, like, three that have Gutenberg. Maybe yeah, I want to say three or four with Gutenberg, and then the rest is just ensemble. After that, it's just kind of, like, whoever we can get back. <laughs> Right, and yeah. I can never remember the ones one guy's name, but like I'm like, oh yeah, he's from Police Academy, and I <laughs> I couldn't stand him in Police Academy. That's uh, which uh, but, which one? <laughs> uh, he played the Bob Pratchett character oh. in Scrooged. Bob, oh, help me uh, out. Would you remember his name? I got that Bobcat Goldwith. Yeah, thank you. Okay, because I, I was like. I'm like, I know him. and it's Well, like, he wasn't the Bob Cratchit character, but he, he was like a new yeah, I don't character. think he yeah. was, yeah. No, no, Alfred was, was, was Bob Cratchit. Yeah. Mm. yeah, the lady. The lady with the kid was. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Because her kid, like, was a, was a mute. Yeah, he she wasn't was talking. She was a long-time employee, just like Bob Cratchit, yeah. But yeah, it, I did... Like, at first, I thought he was the Bob Cratchit. Like, before I rewatched these, I was thinking he was the Bob Cratchit. Yeah, right. but... Because uh, he was in it quite a bit. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not like yeah. always. A, just it's not like any of the other movies have a character like him. In, in it. <laughs> but, but yeah, he was he was tolerable in this one. I just every time I watch the Police Academy movies, it's like anytime his character shows up, I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. just the shtick. The shtick it just isn't funny. <laughs> I still say they need to cast him in the MCU as the voice of Galactic. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be epic, Why guys. Not? Trust me. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> okay, um, number number three. Uh, I have Michael Caine as that. <laughs> as that. I Honorably, because, you know, he did legit play it straight. He did. And watching it, I kind of enjoy his performance a lot. 
Like I really do. But I didn't want to kind of have this list be dominant of like theatrical destroying a television and not taking it away because there were two great actors that also played this same role amazingly well. But I had to put Michael Caine at number three. Number two is Patrick Stewart. He is, you know, amazing actor, very great. And I really did believe all of it when he was being, you know, ruthless Mr. Scrooge. Like, you know, I just like felt the ice and bitterness in his voice and just his delivery was great. But he's no George C. Scott. And that comes in number one for me. I mean, Scott always gives like powerhouse performances, like commanding, like he's great. He had to be my favorite Scrooge. So that's number one for me. Many can't go there and many would rather die. If they would rather die. Perhaps they had better do so and uh, decrease the surplus population. All right. So I think our lists are similar, Rob, maybe <laughs> yeah. a little different. Um, but I put Bill Murray in at number four uh, just simply because, I mean, it was an interesting take, but it it was Bill Murray. He wasn't playing anybody else in that movie other than Bill Murray. <laughs> so, yeah. mm. And there's not much I'm going to really add. It, it was just watching Bill Murray be Bill Murray. Um, my number three, I, I put Patrick Stewart. Um, he did an all right job. I wasn't entirely sold on him being cruel or, or cold. Um, but again, he did an all right job um, for what it's worth. Um, number two, I actually have forgotten how good Michael Caine was in the Muppets movie, actually. I wasn't expecting much when I, I watched it the other night, but he did it really well. Um, I thought his body language was really good. His facial expressions were great. It, no, I was pleasantly surprised by it. Again, a lot of these movies I have not seen in like over 20 years, probably. So, um, yeah, number two, Michael Caine. And yeah, it's hard to beat George C. Scott. Yeah, Definite number one. I, I mean, maybe they typecasted him, maybe they didn't. But you know, he's he plays mean very well. If you've seen him in other movies, he, you know, you don't mess with him. <laughs> you know, he's intimidating. <laughs> he's he's a clearly a dick. He's cold as ice. It's like you know, I I really, you know, nailed that performance too. Um, yeah, George C. Scott, number one, Scrooge, for me. But you don't think me ill-used when I pay a day's wages for no work. Christmas comes but once a year, sir. Poor excuse for picking a man's pocket. All right, so I'm going to sound like a complete broken record here. Um, so uh, uh, I guess not 100% uh, broken uh, record because it's not 100% accurate, but it's going to be similar. So number four, and it's not even close for number four. Like I feel like the top three are close, but the number four, it's Bill Murray. Uh, we'll get to the quote after this, but uh, there was lots of conflicts between Bill Murray and Richard Donner during this. Bill Murray seems like he wants to play this as a goofball, and he does a good job when he needs to just be like the funny asshole. He's good at that. But when he actually, when this moment calls upon him to be like dramatic, like, when he needs to cry during the Ghost of Christmas Past, it feels so forced. When he needs to uh, do his monologue at the end. Like, that monologue is super lazy script writing. 
but a good performance, like a really good actor, could carry that and sell it. Uh, a couple actors, uh, pretty much all the other actors of Scrooge, if they had to do that, they could probably sell the shit out of it. Bill Murray really doesn't, and it feels forced. It just, it's not even close. He has his moments, but he's definitely number four. Number three, and these guys are all neck and neck. They all have their uh, perks, but number three, it's Michael Caine. He's, he's very, very good. I don't know what else to say. He's good, and he's up against Patrick Stewart and George C. Scott, so he's, he's coming in number three. And number two, it's Patrick Stewart. Um, what I like about Patrick Stewart is that he plays, he doesn't play it 100% cruel. He plays it almost, I don't give a shit. Like, I feel, I get more of an I don't give a shit from him than I do from any of the other ones. Just, I'm just pinching pennies, and that's the end. And I don't care about it outside of that. And I appreciate him take, doing a different take and selling it. It worked for me. But he's not the number one, and it's obvious who the number one is at this point. It's George C. Scott, who just fucking nails this movie. He is the anchor yes. of this movie. <laughs> I mean, he absolutely. controls it. Now, it's I, oh god. I, mm. I will say one one part I did really enjoy, and I kind of did watch. Like I went back and I got to that part when I was uh, watching. The George C. Scott version. After he wakes up after the ghost of Christmas, he had to come and wake and gets the little boy, and he talks to him. And he, well, first of all, I guess George C. Scott gives the kid more money. First off, I noticed he said a different increment. <laughs> I forget what it was, but yeah. also when Patrick Stewart says like, "I'll give you a," he hesitated and didn't say it at first. Like you saw, like him kind of make a cringe face, mm -hmm. and then he shook his head and then said, "If you hurry, I'm, I'll give you that." I'll give you a quid if you make if you're back in five minutes. I'll give you two quid, and like the kid took off. I, I noticed that. I was like, "Huh, you winced before you said that, Patrick." Mm -hmm. I caught that. Yeah. Do you forget where you where we are in the story? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, no, I I, I almost kind of like that because that's showing. Scrooge. I did. No, There's I, a little bit of yeah. old Scrooge still there, but he needs he knows he needs to work past it. I like that. No. Yeah, I but and I, still like you know. Stewart did do choices like that, and I did really like that. But again, like it's it's George C. Scott. Like, <laughs> hear me, I, I am not the man I was. I will not be the man I must have been, but for this visitation. Why show me this if I am past all hope? I mean, it's great. <laughs> that, what we're dealing with is some powerhouse performances in Bill Murray. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he was really. Just playing Bill Murray. I mean, yeah, let's be honest. I mean, like I said, he was good at being was. a dick, but like anytime you do something somewhat dramatic, it it flopped him. Well, it yeah. was just catering to his usual comedy style, mm -hmm. I think. Oh, absolutely. So, oh yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he later in his career did show that he can do dramatic. Oh with yeah. Like Lost in Translation and uh, those uh, what Gus like Gus Van Zandt or. That other guy who did like Royal Tenenbaums and oh shit yeah uh, oh god, yeah, yeah oh god I know that Wes Anderson Wes yeah that guy yeah no he's a great actor but that... not here not here yeah well, this was also during the height of kind of you know eighties he broke away from SNL started doing kind of a lot of his own or maybe late seventies rather but that's when his like you know comedy film career really took off and. I think at that point, we haven't quite gotten out of it. It's just kind of more of the same Bill Murray type 
comedy that we're used to, I think. This would have been roughly around Ghostbusters 2. Yeah, it would have been a little bit before then. This was also, like, the yeah. first... This is the first... Well, one of the first, stripes. like, starring roles yeah. he did that wasn't an ensemble. Uh, but yes, as you may notice the scores, uh, Christmas Carol 84 shot up quick at the end. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh... I think I put it... I put it at my number one on almost every category. Uh, except for well, I grew up on that one, so that's two? a special place. Um, yeah. I gave it number one for supporting cast, and you guys were, like, at the bottom of that one. And I'm... I, I admit, I'm a sucker for... He is so funny. It's all right. But, is. Uh, as I said, a movie needs to win the uh, uh, majority, not plurality, and no movie has plurality. So that means we have to eliminate the bottom one, which would be Patrick Stewart's Christmas Carol. So... Sending it to the Forbidden Zone. Yeah, it's gone. And that means... And I'm the one person who gave it a point. So that point now goes to second place. And if you remember, it's gonna be a very interesting round right here. That 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 switch up didn't think it interesting. Yeah, that was the story point I gave it. Yeah, yeah. And number two is yeah. eighty four. Number <laughs> officially eighty four has won the uh the majority now. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Uh yes. So do you guys have any afterthoughts on these movies? Oh, it was nice rewatching them, yeah. I'll say. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm one of those people that will watch a Christmas story mm -hmm. every time it's on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but these other ones are just ones I just caught on TV at various times, you know, over the years. So this was, you know, rewatching these again was like watching them for the first time. I just hadn't seen them in so long. Uh, well, I, I have a couple of. I enjoyed them all oh. very very uh they were really fun <laughs> so i have a couple of trivia bits i was going to share uh first i'm up at christmas carol which i think i shared on the last podcast with rob but it it, it would feel weird not to also state it here uh before yeah. production began sir michael kane told producer and director brian henson i'm gonna play this movie like i'm working with the royal shakespeare company i will never wink i will never do anything muppety i'm gonna play scrooge as if it is an utterly dramatic role, and there are no puppets around me. And Henson just replied, yes, bang on. And that really shows in his performance. He just goes all in, and that's yeah. really what the role calls for. Yeah. Like, you can't and be in a Muppet movie and wink at the camera. <laughs> no, not like these newer modern ones where these new mod or newer actors, I think, in the past, too, they pretty much are hamming it up with them. And it's like, look, I'm with Kermit. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, no, you just got to treat it like... like well, especially like, that okay, last one. That last you're a talking frog. Yeah. Okay, you're a talking frog. You need help? Um, what can I do for you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Go with it. No, so, yeah. Oh. Go ahead, George. Yeah, the newer ones, it just, it, it, I don't know, it really just pisses me off when I see them. Because I, I guess it's because I grew up watching those older ones. So I'm used to it just being, oh, okay, this is normal. So, but yeah, the how the modern ones take it and they don't. And they do ham it up for it. It's, it's yeah. I'm not a fan. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, agreed. It, it's something I noticed with the um this Muppet movie. I didn't realize that his son uh, Brian Henson had been doing work that early on because I think that was like 91 or 92, wasn't it? Yeah, I want to say Jim died like he 
year before? Wasn't it dedicated to Jim at the end? I misremembered. It was, and okay. I think this was the first one that they did since he passed. Or, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I didn't catch was... that. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, uh, so a little bit of trivia on uh, Scrooge. Uh, Bill Murray and director Richard Donner reportedly did not enjoy working together, creating a lot of tension on set. When, when asked by film critic Roger Ebert if he had any disagreements with Donner, Murray replied, only a few, every single minute of the day. That could have been a really, really great movie. The script was so good. There's maybe one take in the final cut of the movie that is mine. We made it so fast. It was like doing a movie live. He kept telling me to do things louder, louder, louder. I think he was deaf. Now, I'm going to give you my thoughts on this, because I think a lot of the quality of this movie kind of comes from Richard Donner. Like, he knew how to direct the shit out of this movie. It is well put together. Uh, you know, I think, like, he brings up the script's great. I don't think the script's... Like, if the script is anything like represented on screen, I don't think the script's great. Uh... And I also think Murray, who had largely done, like, lots of uh, stuff with uh, Ramis and Reitman at this point, I think he's more used to working on kind of a zanier set. Like, if you hear stories of Harold Ramis uh, movie sets, lots of times he just has actors ad-lib, and he puts it together in the end. And it works. Like, Caddyshack, you can tell that's an ad-libbed movie for the most part. That story is barely existent, but it's fun. Yeah. That's what Harold Ramis Absolutely. is good at. That's not what Richard oh, yeah. Donner does. Not by a mile. And I think you're just seeing conflicting styles. And honestly, I think Donner does a much better job than Murray in that movie. For all the... How much I like Bill Murray. I think Richard Ma Donner really shines in that movie. Uh, so, uh, let's see. This is going to come out a week from today. So, yeah. The next podcast from uh, you guys watching or listening's perspective might be the Genesis one if you're watching. If you're listening, it's going to be... Uh, yeah, we gotta slam uh, a whole bunch to watch. Uh, we're gonna have Spider-Man No Way Home, we're gonna have Matrix Resurrections, and we're gonna have the last three episodes of Hawkeye. So that should be a fun episode. Yeah, I think that's it. So let's uh, everyone have a good one. Yeah, all right. Take care. Thanks. I want to go ahead and add some audio credits at the end here. Uh, the theme music you're hearing at the beginning and end of this podcast was uh, written and performed by George Johnson, a very good friend of mine. And my current Patreons are uh, Fel Martins, David Lara, and Lindsay Painkhurst. If you'd like to become a patron, go ahead and follow the link down below. Anything you can provide would be incredibly helpful to this channel. We're barely limping by right now. Uh, I'd love to make this my full-time job, but I'm miles away from that right now. So any help you could provide, just a dollar a month would be amazing. You know you want to. All your friends are doing it. Look here, beneath my robe. Look upon these.